What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Verde here. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to blog smarter instead of harder. There is value in cranking out a lot of words per day, but if you could make more money with your blog by working less, who wouldn't take that offer? We're going to talk about how to make that a reality in this episode today. We are joined by a guest who is the owner of a $1.5 million blog portfolio. He has blogs in various industries that all bring in that revenue. He teaches bloggers to treat their blogs like businesses instead of hobbies. He has a really great way of viewing blogs that you're definitely going to want to hear as we go into this episode. And he has a book also called Einstein Blog. It teaches readers how to blog smarter instead of harder. Our guest who joins us on this episode of Breakthrough Success is none other than Forrest Weber. Forrest, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you having me. Forrest, it is a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And I feel like with blogging, a lot of people, they think about producing as much content as possible. Uh, You see these big sites producing so many pieces of new content each day. And I feel like people think, well, if I'm producing daily content and I'm writing like 5,000 words and a lot more than that per day, I can make something happen too. But that takes a lot of time. It's very hard to make that happen. I'm wondering if you can share with us some of the ways that we can view blocking differently when we're starting out solo so we can eventually scale it over time. Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Well, first off, I think... um... To be clear, most of my traffic comes from organic search engines. And so when I think about strategizing quantity versus quality, it mostly comes down to viewing your, you know, your focus and your niche like a tree with branches. That's the way I look at it. I mean, we have a little under 400,000 words per month published in my name uh, for my portfolio of blogs, which is about 20 content sites. And we do produce a lot of content, but everything we we publish is extremely thought through. And we use like get mind maps to draw out kind of the tree branches for what we want to rank for in the long run. So directly to your question, if you're kind of a new blogger and you want to think, how can I rank, especially with new competition from AI, uh, GPT-3 chatbots coming in to produce a lot of words, then it's going to be your future vision, really. What are you thinking about for year two, year three? And I mean, just that idea of you can create all this content you want, but if you aren't taking that plan, creating the mind map, understanding what keywords you're supposed to rank for, that you could get organic traffic by publishing and praying, but you're more likely to do it with an analytical approach where you are looking at the keywords. Now, I know that, with a $1.5 million blog portfolio, a lot of blocks in various industries, it's very difficult to manage all of that on your own. And I know that you've scaled it out. I'm wondering if you could share with us at what point did you feel like you needed to hire writers and what questions, I mean, what um, points you would give to someone who is thinking about making that decision? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, for me, um, I have a little bit of a unique backstory. Uh, My early career was in real estate. So when I came into this space, I already was kind of thinking like a businessman purchasing assets as an investor. So generally, I think a new blogger goes from 
you know, a technician stage where they have between zero and say 5,000, zero to 2,500, $5,000 of revenue per month would be a technician handling most of the technical components themselves. And then anywhere in that 2,500 to 5,000 a month range, you start thinking about delegating more and becoming a little bit more of a manager. And so I, I actually talk a little bit, quick quick plug in the Einstein blogging book. Uh, I stole Micah Gerber's concept from the E-Myth Revisited, the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur. But I apply it to the blogging world specifically. So when you move from a technician to a manager and start outsourcing content, that's like step step one of moving up. And then you kind of move from manager to entrepreneur and create more of the vision and the direction for the business. But for myself, since I came in from real estate with some capital, I made three acquisitions in month number one and somewhat skipped that zero to 5,000 stage. And uh, it's interesting you view it from a real estate perspective because uh, blog and email list, all these are digital assets that you use to grow your business. And thinking about it that way, it puts you with a business mentality rather than a hobby mentality. And when you're first getting started out, you don't necessarily have all the capital to like buy different blogs or create different blogs uh, beyond the one you're currently operating. I'm wondering if we could start off with, uh, before we get more into the business model where you have a bunch of different blocks in your portfolio, what are some ways that we can save time with creating content for our own blocks when we are that one person team starting out? Yeah, great question, Mark. Um, well, one mistake I think I made early on in, in strategy uh, that's probably pretty common, but people are going to laugh at me for this. You know, I thought, okay, I want to get a lot of traffic. The first thing to do is find high volume keywords. Like go after the big ones. So um, that's not the way to go. You want to take more of a bottom up approach, I would say. And this is what I'm, I'm referencing earlier, but to further illustrate what a tree with branches looks like or a tree flipped upside down, you're going to, visually in your mind map out what you want the core trunk of your tree to be but then you need to branch out and go all the way out of the little tiny leaves like 10 monthly search volume keywords 20 monthly search volume keywords think about what you don't have to put a ton of resources into at the beginning and get those out there like start pushing them out into you know the stratosphere of the of the internet <laughs> And basically wait for the sunlight to start hitting them. And then they're going to bring in some food and start nourishing the whole tree. So if you're going to go after larger keywords after, say, six months or a year, that's when you start moving into conversations about authority, topical authority, and link building. Um, if you're brand new, I would say for your first six to 12 months, you're mostly thinking about ranking really well for lower volume keywords don't expect a ton to happen other than for you to get noticed and for your quality to get tested and sifted against others and the keyword research is something that everybody should be doing uh, before they write content having those keywords in front i mean earlier forrest mentioned a lot of the traffic comes from organic search and the great thing about organic search is unlike an advertising budget it's not like you turn off the ad and traffic stops flowing in. 
you get the consistent traffic from organic SEO and having that keyword research done in advance puts you in a better position. Uh, one thing I want better. to get into is I know you have a lot of different blogs. When we're starting out, we create our first blog. We go for something that we're an expert at. Uh, when you hire writers and you think portfolio, it's easier to bring on a talent that knows topics that you may not know as well. So if you were to create a new blog right now, what's the type of research that goes into deciding the industry and if this is something that you could profit from? Great question. So I, not to, uh, to debate the, the topical knowledge point you're making, I think it's a good point. But since I have a little bit different approach, I'll kind of explain it both ways. Um, I'm a dad of two daughters and someone posted a Twitter message the other day. Like, what would you <laughs> kind of similar question? What constraint did you put on yourself at the beginning when you were blogging that you wouldn't now? Like if you get stuck and I said something about, you know, don't just get stuck in your own nose like a booger. It's a really lame dad joke. But the point is, you really don't actually need to know a lot about topics to rank in the beginning. I would say um, what's coming to mind actually is when Tim Ferriss and his four-hour workweek book pointed out that the biggest game changer for him early on with product, which our product is content that we're talking about, he made the mistake of creating a product that he needed to create demand for versus looking at what market demand existed. And that's the thing that sets us apart in blogging is the access to data that we have to look at the competition for keywords we want to rank for. So instead of thinking about what you know, if you're going to be outsourcing the content, you want to think about what's in demand that's low competition. So that's my first thought to contribute. Now, Subject matter expertise is important for certain topical authority uh, places along the journey. However, I don't think it's as important as people think. Part of my business model uh, economically is that we have a cost-controlled product, and I mix native and non-native English speakers that have totally various levels of subject matter expertise in the topic, and I just direct them really well. So really good direction, great systems, great training will outperform subject matter expertise in my experience with search engine traffic. Um, I have one blog to give a practical example that is about dream work, depth psychology, and comparative mythology globally. And it's just the most incredible thought stuff ever. And one of my writers is a native Greek. Um, he lives in Sparta and he's profoundly beyond all my understanding of these concepts and he's one of our writers on the site and the then the other two writers are both from india and they're non-native english speakers but they're writing long-form seo content and it's where the top 10 posts that rank they're all going to those those blog posts not the subject matter experts and the cost difference is about 400 percent I mean, it's really interesting you mentioned that being a subject matter, I mean, being a subject matter expert, it helps, but at the same time, it's not necessary because writing is a way of learning. And I think a lot of bloggers, if you don't know a topic, 
you write about it. Writers are hardwired to know how to research things to figure out something that they didn't know before. So if you have a good researcher, if you have someone who knows how to write great content and fill in the blanks where they currently have knowledge gaps, thinking about it that way and training them to do that is extremely valuable. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, when it comes to like, you have all these different writers and obviously these are all expenses you're being able to outsource at different locations and that's able to save you uh, expenses. How do you look at the profit margin sense of like, are you running ads to make that ROI? Is it a digital product? It, like what's the uh, monetization strategy that you usually use to get the ROI? Yeah, good question. So the breakdown for those 20 sites that I own that are my portfolio which is uh, kind of like half the business that I think of is, is just the portfolio of passive income producing content sites, blogs. And then I have this other aspect of my business that's the operational machine. So in the real estate analogy, this would be a lot like owning rental properties and then having a property management and leasing company. This one handles all the work. This one's a passive holding entity. And for my blogs, um, we make 90% of our income right now from display ads. So about half of them, a little more than half are on Mediavine. And then a little less than half on Ezoic, the display ad platform. Those two make up the bulk of our revenue for the portfolio side and for, for clients of ours. We have clients that operate sites passively through us, just like I mentioned. Um, but then... Affiliate commissions, we make a good chunk of money from, um, but it's a new focus of ours. We just purchased uh, Monica Lint's software she developed called Affilimate.com, and they give you all kinds of great data that you can look at and, and review, not just split A-B tests for each page or blog post, but you can go dozens of iterations deep with revisions that improve your click-through rates in your blog posts. And I know I'm talking pretty fast right now for a lot of things. So slow me down if I need to, Mark. But uh, most of our money is coming from just pure ad revenue. So we have a lot of informational articles. And then we have some commercial keyword intent articles that rank well that also get affiliate clicks and commissions too. It's interesting you mentioned the ads because there are a lot of uh, maybe more so in the online marketing space where having ads on your site isn't that good because it distracts people from your site. It could bring people off. It can uh, detract from like the coaching service or the book or the digital product you have to offer. And yeah, most of the revenue you're making from your blog portfolio right now is ads. Uh, I'm wondering if you could explain that dynamic because I think there are a lot of people who don't feel comfortable with ads because maybe they've heard things like, they take people away from your yeah. site and hurt your sale. Yeah, absolutely. One of the first blogs that I purchased, I remember feeling exactly like that. Uh, it's a book blog. And we were making most of the revenue from Amazon affiliates, selling books, you know, publishing book reviews, and then also some product reviews for book loving products like a book light or a book lamp, you know, and I wanted to increase the revenue and I realized it was above the 50,000 page session per month threshold for Mediavine and Mediavine's our, you know, preferred ad network. We're kind of new to Ezoic and I've been impressed in some ways. Um, 
but we've just worked with Mediavine longer. So I added Mediavine and I was really concerned with that exactly. Well, we have less clicks to the products we're recommending to people, less outbound clicks that get us commissions. But in the approach I decided to take, which is a diversified portfolio that's going to rank and grow long-term and always month-to-month grow and provide cash flow in the long run versus building something quick and then selling it off or something like that, or building those verticals, like selling products and services on the blogs themselves, I've decided to make my primary focus becoming the most efficient quality producer of content in the world. So instead of focusing on um, each individual product and inventory and manufacturing and operations and that kind of thing, I have a creative team, a small creative team with a senior designer, a copywriter and myself. And we do have a lot of fun with projects like that, but we mostly are just looking to get people on site inform them, answer their questions, maybe get an email from them. But there's not a big conversion rate that we're looking for on most of my blogs right now for the existing revenue. And just to tie a bow on that, I mean, that's a hope for the future. I do hope as we uh, grow our creative team and develop more funnels and marketing um, that we'll be able to sell products and put more verticals on each blog too. And I know you mentioned Mediavine as the popular ad network of choice. A lot of bloggers, they'll go for something like Google AdSense, uh, a little bit easier to set up. What are your thoughts on Google AdSense versus Mediavine? Is Google AdSense something that you've tried or have you just switched completely to Mediavine? Yeah, good question. I mean, Google AdSense is a, it is the first one people find out about usually, or it was historically. Um, there's a term called RPM revenue per mille you may have heard of and what it means is how much revenue do you earn per 1000 page sessions or page views to your site and google adsense just is a they're they're welcoming toward new websites but their rpms aren't nearly as competitive um that said the google platform the ad network platform is still what mediavine and ezoic both are built on so the base technology is still Google and, and Google AdSense network. It's just that they have created their own skin to put on top of it that uses at Ezoic, a really hefty artificially intelligent mis- machine learning platform. And Mediavine too has machine learning on theirs. They just have a different approach. I mean, it's interesting to hear the like because a lot of people that hear about Google AdSense at the beginning, but knowing that there are these other options that pay more uh, I'm sure there's a steeper barrier to entry, but just the fact that you can get paid more for ads is interesting. I mean, a, a lot of the people who I know, it, it's a focus on like selling the service or selling the digital product, but the ads is definitely something that has a lot of potential as well. Yeah, I think one thing uh, just to mention, I'm, I know I'm kind of tooting the Mediavine horn, but they have a Facebook group with all of us in there, 6.8 thousand members, I think. And the community is is very alive. Um, so I know there's AdThrive, Monumetric, Mediavine, Ezoic, Google AdSense. There's other networks as well. But in the Mediavine Facebook group, I've seen quite a few testimonials of bloggers who 
wanted to make blogging their full-time income and quit their jobs and didn't really know about Mediavine's ad network. And then the first day that they're in, they're all just raving in the Facebook group because they're like, what? I was earning $55 before and now I made $1,000 my first month. The earnings are significantly different. You know, it's definitely something to check out Breakthrough Success Listeners. We will have Mediavine in the show notes. Uh, definitely make sure you check that out. Uh, we will also be linking to Einstein Blogging, which is Forrest's book. Definitely make sure you pick up a copy of his book. I always like to say that the episodes are a preview of the type of value you can get from the guests if you pick up their book, if you get their services or anything of that nature. So if you enjoyed this episode, definitely make sure you do that. Forrest, where else uh, can we go to follow your work and journey? Oh, thanks. You can go to forrestweber.com, two R's and Forrest, two B's and Weber. And then um, I'll share the story of this, but my agency that's built, you know, from my team. So this is a five-year business. I started in September, 2017, and I built this internally servicing team. You know, we have about 50 people on staff now, and they all just worked on my portfolio until the last year we launched Digitail, like digital, but tail.co. And that's my agency. So it's a, it's a blogging agency built by bloggers for bloggers. And we do everything from A to Z. So we have clients that hire us that have no idea what a blog is even, except they've heard Forrest talk about it a little bit. And they just buy a turnkey passive website like a rental property. And we can operate it for them, start it, operate it, run it, monetize it, send them checks. Um, or if they're bloggers that just want to delegate a few articles a month, you can buy a couple articles. If you need authority, we we do link building. We do it all. All Breakthrough Success listeners, there's a lot of great resources that Forrest is offering. Definitely check out his agency as well. Uh, it's really great to see someone who has built up a lot of different blogs, get the idea of how the inner workings go, and be able to use that to blog smarter instead of harder. Forrest, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, too.